get beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Jonathan Mickles with the Strategic Multifamily Investing Podcast, and I have with me Nick. Nick, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Espinette? Very good. That's great to get it right. Espinette is exactly right. Cool. Most people cool. try to uh, give it a little too much uh, French flair or Espinette. <laughs> no, well, it could exactly be. Right. Yeah, it could yes. be. That's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, thank you so much. We we met on the Old Capital uh, uh, Conference uh, just a couple weeks ago. That when we're recording this, this is uh, in late October of 2020, and um, you know, you 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 decided to say, "Hey, I'll I'll come in and join the podcast." Thanks so much for coming, man. Um, you well, were, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to to visit with you. Absolutely. So you, you've been, been quite busy since 2016 here, and we were talking just briefly about your experience. But before we get into that, like, uh, kind of tell us how you got into multifamily. I think you were, you were in healthcare before, right? Correct. Yeah. You know, um, my wife and I started looking at different ways, different places to put our retirement. We just didn't like the stock market, didn't you know, didn't understand it well enough. We felt like we were just passing our money off to somebody else to, to take care of it. And then couldn't really even, you know, process what the, what was going on with it, what, if we, what fees we were paying. So we started down the road of looking at single family and um, kind of almost had the analysis, a paralysis analysis where we looked and we, we you know, studied, studied, studied. We, we had a child that had some health issues and she's doing great now, but so that kind of paused us and we got back into looking and um, the more we dug, the more we kept hearing about multifamily. So we started, you know, my first thought was there's, there's you know, individuals don't buy um, apartments. That's, you know, big, big companies or REITs. So, but the more we looked into it, we learned, hey, there's, this is things that, you know, middle-class people, if you have some, a little bit of cash and you can't get it, it's not a no money down type situation, but if you've got some capital that you can, uh, uh, deploy and put into it, you can definitely go about it. Um, so, you know, we started learning more and more about different mentors and reading books and we, we opted to go the mentor route. And that was, uh, you know, I, I think mentor? very helpful. What's that? Who, who was your mentor? Uh, Brad Sumrock. Um, and we're still part of his program. Um, for many reasons, uh, you know, it, it, they going through the program with Brad and, and the coaches help, holding our hand on being able to purchase our first deal. And then also being a part of the group, I'm not sure the number of people in it now, maybe six to 800 or so in the group that, um, you know, we've raised the vast majority of our funds through the group, um, through the three deals that I have closed. <clears throat> you know, that's, uh, let's see, we've been raised uh, just under a million and a half on one deal, two million on another, and um, just under five million on the third. So and a, a big part of that money is coming through the group. And a great thing about being part of it, you know, a mentorship group is that the people that we're raising the money from, they, they know the language, they know the, the underwriting. We can show them our, our package of uh, what we're presenting for the investment. And, and they'll have questions that about how we got to certain things, but they understand 99% of it, you know, because a lot, you know, it's, it's almost a foreign language. If you haven't been even coming from single family side, I think you, you know, there's just terminology that you don't, uh, you know, that you may not be aware of. And so it's great having those uh, uh, educated. I mean, everybody's educated, but people that understand the, the, um, right. the multifamily acquisition process because you know the, the questions are much more reasonable. Because yeah, know, e even yeah. people that 
are part of other programs because within Brad's group, you can fundraise through um, any, any contacts and we just see the difference in, in the questions. A lot of that may be that they're used to our analyzer. So that's, that's very interesting. I want to come back to that um, about the fundraising piece, but um, a couple of good things, again, for people who are listening and maybe thinking about multifamily, thought about multifamily, you know, uh, listen to his origin story. He started looking at single family homes, but then decided to actually jump directly into multifamily. Um, because sometimes what people have learned is that they can't do what they actually want to do in terms of an income through just single family. I mean, they would have to have a bevy, a portfolio of uh, single families in order to do that. Was that, was that the same thing for you, Nick? I mean, you guys, it's just the numbers yes. didn't work out. It's a lot of well, the numbers. And yeah, exactly. And you start looking at it, a couple of things why multifamily, one was the scale. You know, if I own 10 single family homes scattered all over DFW, I've got to run around and take care of them or pay a property manager 10%, 7, 10%, somewhat quite a bit more than we do on the multifamily. You know, we're around three or 4% a fee for a multifamily property management fee. But you have payroll, right? You have payroll. You have people on payroll. Yeah. Plus payroll. Yeah. We do the payroll on top of that. So that, that is, that is a offset too, but it's still, they do it. And, and one of the great thing, and I didn't figure this out until I started learning more about, multifamily is we are in charge. We, we have better control over the value. You, you can buy a single family home and make it the nicest house in the neighborhood and show that you're getting uh, $2,000 a month in rent. But when you go to sell the property, if somebody wants to buy it with a loan, they're still going to, it's going to be sold off the comps. It's what the neighboring properties are. Even if you've made, made it a beautiful home and it's showing now somebody may want to come in and pay cash and, but it's going to be hard to sell it for more than, than what the comp show, whereas, you know, with an apartment, you can, if you increase the NOI by either improving your income or decreasing your expenses, that's how the value of, of the apartment set, because you're buying a business really more than, than real estate. And for everybody yeah. else that's listening, the NOI is the net operating income. And right. yes. just, I, I just always, every now and then, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, but I want to make sure yeah. that the rest of the people who are listening to us, you know, hear and understand that. So exactly. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. there. No, no, you're, you're, that's great. And, and I, yeah, I'm bad about using some of the acronyms. Okay. So yeah. But see, that's the reason for being a part of a group, because if you're part of a group, you can just throw out those kind of exactly. words. And you really, really, truly understand what the other person is talking about just instantly. So as he said, oh, I'm paying three or four percent, you know, management, I'm knowing, oh, he really is also paying payroll because he probably has units that are over maybe 50 or 60 units, maybe 100 units where, you know, there's no need to have a, well, there may be a need to have a property management firm on site or an office on site where if you're around 50 or 60 units you may not necessarily need to have management am i am i talking all right nick see no, you're, you're exactly right <laughs> this is the community <laughs> that, that uh, again another another thing that you you pointed out is that you got some mentorship right with with uh was it brad summerock right summerock's right and so you know i my mentor is uh michael blanc so i went okay. through uh, his mentoring program still in it as a matter of fact and you do have access to all the other students and other people at different levels of mentorship that they're partnered with that you can then go out to and develop significant relationships and some of them you know I know you know there are a couple of uh, at least uh, from Michael's group offshoots on Tuesdays and Friday nights they're free uh, groups that people can get on and begin networking and begin the process of developing that uh, 
pre-existing substantial relationship, right? That uh, the yes. SEC is looking for. As if you're trying to do a, a, a SEC uh, reg the five hundred six B type offering, which is most of the offerings that are out there for syndications to buy apartment buildings. So you mentioned that um, that you were raising money through the mentoring group. How does how is that set up, or is that you know proprietary to uh, Summer Rock's group? Or it's not you know, proprietary. We, we do networking events. Could we? I guess if I said we're raising money through the group, that's not technically not true. It's okay. with people that were within the group. Yeah. Because uh, Brad, they, they they are very careful not to say that they're not promoting deals. But we yeah, we have uh, every other month there is a uh, um, a bus tour typically in Dallas, but there's been one in Phoenix one in Houston, but COVID has kind of thrown this off that so we've done virtual ones, but they meet in a, uh, usually in Dallas or the mid city, somewhere in DFW. And uh, I think recently we've had between five and seven of the large buses, people we go onto property, properties that other students own, kind of see what's going there. And then sometimes we'll even go on a property that's for sale. We've got enough of a relationship with the bro local brokers that they'll bring us onto a, a property that's for sale. So you think of, of you know, a C, B or C class apartment with about 300, 400 people showing up on a Saturday morning. Most of the tenants there are like, what on earth is going on? What are these people walking through our middle of our community? So it's kind of funny, but to, to raise money, that, that's where you go and you meet people on these bus uh, uh, tours. When the group was smaller, we would go to a local bar and grill, but it got too big. We just overwhelmed it. So now they, they rent a, uh, a hotel room, almost like a, if you were having a wedding reception, yeah, uh, you know, inside a hotel uh, ballroom type thing, have a sit down dinner and then a cash bar or tea, coffee, and people just uh, usually probably yeah, go through four hours. It, that's that's the best way to do it. Um, number one, yeah, it, it's a captive audience. Is what they say, like shooting fish in a barrel, because yes. everybody there is all interested. Number one in multifamily. Number one. It's exactly. not just commercial real estate, you know, meaning you're looking at uh, industrial or office. You're, you're only looking at multifamily and you're interested in doing something probably within, you know, DFW or within the local market. And then you can really get with people who, you know, you have a connection with because I'm learning in this business, you know, connection is, is everything. You know, it's 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 almost like you're Definitely. getting married for you know five to maybe ten years, yes. uh, depending on how these deals are. I mean, you're going to be connected at the hip, so you should like the person that you're with. Um, yes. You should have the same values, uh, you know, that the other persons have, and so these are good opportunities to do that. And again, in the age of COVID, uh, a lot of these things have turned virtual. So um, hit up Nick. Hit me up. We'll share with you some of the free opportunities or maybe even share with you how you can possibly get with the coaching programs that we're in so that you can get connected as well. So sure. um, let's get down to some of the um, well, well, let me ask this question. This is very interesting because you mentioned that you and your wife and I, and I looked at your website and you and your wife are in the business together. And I, and I believe she was a sales professional herself. How is she liking now multifamily? Because I'm always interested in that partnership. She loves it. I mean, she's uh she helps more on the tax side. That's kind of what, what she, her niche is. She uh, recently started teaching in our children's school, just part-time one That's science cool. class. And before she's been, been a for 30, 14 years and then oh. went back and teaching, but she helps that. She, you know, she sees the, the opportunity. It's going to, it's affording our family the, you know, and the financial freedom is going to give us eventually, you know, right now it's, I'm still doing a little bit of my therapy work during the day. 
Okay. Um, I, I'm a contract with that. So, uh, but you know, it's not something that it's, it's not a passive income and neither is syndicating right now, but we're going to build, you know, as we get more and we can, um, at some point hire somebody to do some of the stuff that, that we're doing or, you know, be more, just take a passive role after we've done it long enough. And then we invest in other people's deals that are going to be feeding, you know, feeding uh, passive income back to us. Um, but no, she, she loves it. She, uh, um, you know, she goes, she does some of the networking stuff That's now that our children are getting old enough that we can leave them a little bit longer, but it's, uh, you know, she plays more of a support role and, and then does she, um, really got involved in how to, how to st structure our taxes. She's she deals with our, our tax consultant and our CPA the most on how to set things up. And, you know, um, so we can capture as much of the bonus depreciation or, or cost through cost segregation. Oh, that's great. And so, yeah, that's something if, if your guys are, are not done or not aware of, it's a great, you know, we, we yeah. paid a zero income tax in 2018 through, through our co cost segregation and bonus depreciation. So, so this is, this is really good. This is really good. I have been in some very interesting conversations around, around that conversation of paying zero income taxes. Um, and I'm sure in the country, you know, we have a lot of debates, but the thing is, is that our tax system and our tax laws are structured such that you can take advantage of them in a positive way, right? To be able to pay zero tax. Okay, so let's let's kind of break this down. You you mentioned cost segregation and what was the other one that you were doing? Uh, uh, bonus depreciation. So that's yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys have done any listening with Tom Wilwright. Uh Tom Wilwright. Okay, that's good. I'm going to I'm going to look him up. I He's know Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, okay. Robert Kiyosaki CPA. He he says the tax laws the loopholes uh, kind of it's I think a term that's thrown out there to make people uh think you're doing something under the table. He says tax laws are written, written to incentivize actions or, or to, you know, just like a pack of cigarettes now, probably half of it is, is tax because they're trying to discourage people from smoking. Is it an incentive? But, you know, the government needs people, needs investors, business owners to uh, go out and provide workforce housing or affordable housing. So they set the tax law to where people that do that there's a, there's incentive to do it. So it's, you know, so are some of your projects LITIC? Are your, are you LITIC pro projects or? No, just anything, you know, it, right now, um, you know, if you're providing housing, what, what the way that, that cost segregation works is you have to have an engineer come out and uh, okay, uh, analyze your property. And they basically, you can depreciate stuff any for from 27 and a half years to five years and a few stages in between there. But um, the engineer comes and counts every light socket you have, every every light fixture, every sink, and then they give you a big report. And right now you can, uh, you, normally you can do some of them in five-year time period, some in uh, 12, 27 and a half. There might be a couple others in there. But with the, the way the truck is set up now is you can compress all that, take all that depreciation in your first year of ownership. And so we're looking at, you know, an investor may get 60 to 80%, say a hundred thousand dollar investment may get 60,000 to $80,000 back in uh, a bonus depreciation that they can have removed from their income tax. Now, if you're not a tax, if you're not a real estate professional, you can only capture 20 to 25,000, I think is the number, but you can roll the rest over. If you're, pa if you're passive. 
you can only passive, take. But you know, if you're but if you're a passive and you're um, and you do 750. Now, first of all, I'm not a tax professional or CPA, so neither, CPA, neither am I. Don't don't take this as your as your advice here. But One. you, um, if you do 750 hours of real estate a year and it's more than your primary source of income, you wow. by the IRS standards, you're a real estate professional. And so you don't have to have a license. You don't have to have a certificate. But at that point, you qualify as a real estate professional and you can capture 100% of the bonus depreciation in that year. And anything you don't use, it carries over, I think, for eight years. So let's just, let's just take some simple, 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 simple math. Say you made $100,000 you know, in, a, in a given year. And now all of a sudden you get that $60,000 bonus depreciation that we just talked about, right? And, you know, through cost segregation where, again, you mm -hmm. go in, instead of doing the 27 and a half years to depreciate the building, you do it in five years or you do it in the first year. Now that's $60,000 off of that $100,000. So now you're only paying tax on $40,000. Now, let's, if you're married and you have kids and dependents, you now take on those other deductions. And then you have the other standard deductions that you have, or if you're itemizing, and then you have business expenses. So you, again, can be in a situation where, you know, you have $40,000 in other deductions that you have. Now you're paying no tax. So it's a legal thing. It's a legal thing. It's a legal... It's... Congress wrote those laws to incentivize investment in, in housing. Yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, it's become politicized, unfortunately. Yeah. And we'll see if now that, that, that there's more of that news out, if uh, Congress tries to change something, but we'll see. Hopefully not, because it, 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 um, there is a housing shortage in our country. And Very much so. And I'd rather the government incentivize somebody to go out and um, – provide housing versus them trying to do it themselves. I just think if we've seen what government housing looks like and we, I don't think anybody wants that mass produced. So we, so, so this is, this is a very interesting thing. I mean, no matter what your political affiliation is or isn't, please understand that there are these tax laws that are out there that incentivize, as we said, investors to do what they do. And, you know, uh, people like Nick who are, uh, investing in multifamily housing, uh, myself, um, we we're out there to not only help others to be able to create wealth in addition to ourselves, but as a result of doing that and providing a great home for people to live in, you know we're we're additionally incentivized with these other other laws that are out there, and, and I think it's important to take full advantage of them. Um, again, that gives you more you know resources that you can then do the same thing. You can continue to grow. Um, your, yep, uh, your business and, and, and you, a very good point because we come in and try to make we're buying not not always but somewhat distressed sometimes distressed properties and we want to come in because and granted I will admit some of it's our to, for, at our benefit we want to improve the property so we're making a better place for people to live we have three, three bedroom apartments on, on many of our units and so we have families that live there we put in a, a nicer playgrounds with uh, deal we're looking at now we're looking at it doesn't have a playground um or a fitness center but we we don't have a place to put an indoor fitness center but we're looking at repurpose it had two tennis courts at one time they yeah. love tennis courts in the 70s but nobody plays on them anymore we're gonna 
there's already a couple of basketball goals in one spot. We're going to turn the other side into a – it's a pour-in-place pad. Like, you, instead of having to chip uh, uh, wood mulch that gets yeah, scattered, yeah. it yeah. pours in place. So, it's a solid maybe four-inch oh, cushy pad. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, and then, but it's real sturdy. Playground goes over the top of that. Yeah. On the tennis court. But this is a cool part. There's now outdoor exercise equipment, like an elliptical, um, a bike. I think is one of the things, and then some like chest press and leg, but it, it's levers that use your body weight, so we can put the exercise equipment around the playground. Wow. So the families, the the parents can do their do the fitness stuff while the kids play on the playground. So we're, we're you know, I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a picture of that. I, I Google I them, and I can share it. But I, I found it by looking for how to repurpose tennis courts. And wow, that, that came up. It's a company I think out of Alabama. It's either Alabama or Georgia that that uh, has done it, but it's really neat. So we're excited. That's something we're looking at. Um, we don't know exactly how we're going to configure it, but we're pretty sure we're going to put that in our our current deal that we're going after. Now, I think that that will be that will be awesome, man. I think that's a that's a good yeah. idea because you know playgrounds, right? You know you're taking your your child to the playground. You know maybe this dog park. Uh, one of the mm -hmm. properties that we were looking at just recently has a dog park next to the playground. It'd be great to also have, you know, that as well, where you could say, that put the dog park that has a fence around it, let the dog run, have the child run, <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, mom, dad exactly. is doing exercises at the same time. It'd be, exactly. it'd be a great opportunity. Yeah, that's, we're we're yeah. excited to see see how it's, uh, 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 the reception of it. But we think it'll be good because, I'm sorry, I, I I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you're fine. I was I was wrapping up. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you a, a difficult question, and and, and please okay. and you can beg off. It's it's a it's a slightly different question because when we talk of, as investors of walking into you know um, areas you know that may be distressed, it's good for us because number one, we do get a deal. Number two, we can force appreciation. Number three, we can improve the property and the conditions for the people who are there. But no, ultimately, number four, what happens is the rent does go up, you know, um, as a way of being able to pace with the market, right? And um, the, the, the word gentrification comes to mind. So uh, I am, you know, in that situation where, you know, how, how do you feel about, about that at this point in time and, and that word and, and what you and your company are doing? Because you're in Abilene, Texas now, right? Yeah, we're in Abilene. We haven't bought in any areas that were in back. One, we don't, you know, that's, I, I heard one guy say rule number one, we don't buy in the hood because it's just, yeah. you know, rougher area, you get a lot more turnover. But um, that's a summer rock question, right? I mean, a statement. Yeah, well, not so much. It's actually a guy named Michael Becker that used to work. He was on Oak Capital, yeah. That's that's Michael Becker's rule number one. I think Got he it. hosted the lender panel. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm a property rights person. If somebody, you know, if you want to buy a property and, 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 and this is and some people's sensibilities may be injured on this, but, you know, if, if we're set up to where, you know, if you own a piece of property, I think you can do what you want to with it. You can put a parking lot, you can put a museum, you can put a playground, a library. And, and I don't know that it's the, anybody's spot to, um, I don't think the government should come tell you what to do with it. But I also think we also are charged with taking care of our community and helping, you know, and, and we are blessed to own, uh, to, to have the ability to buy apartments and, and have some, uh, 
uh, uh, influence in a neighborhood. And so I, I know it's challenging when you're driving people out that may not, um, that can't afford the new areas. And, and, and we haven't had that as an issue. I'm just trying to think how we, you know, if I had the opportunity to buy in an area that was gentrifying, I, I would do so, but it would be, um, especially when we're syndicating deals, if I'm taking other people's money and I'm not trying to uh, get them the best on their investment, then, then I'm not doing my fiduciary responsibility as a syndicator right. to take care of it. So, you know, I think it's a, um, it, it's a touchy subject. Mm -hmm. that, that's got to be a challenge. And, and um, I, mean, I, I can appreciate the need to, to help with relocation if that's an issue. You know, I, I know there's some areas here in Fort Worth where I live that have, that, uh, they're building some more, some class A apartments in some areas that, that probably were not very desirable two, three, four years ago. And, and how the, you know, I know that, the, I think those builders, that, that would be more in a development, you know, somebody that's doing development are helping with relocation of some of the, the folks from that area. But um, I, I don't know if I gave an answer without, if, okay. Okay, thank you. We're back. So uh, uh, you all didn't know it, but we had about five, 10 minutes that I had to step away for a minute. But we're back and we're having a good conversation because, you know, the question, the tables were turned with me in terms of what I thought about gentrification. And I said, it's a very touchy subject for me because uh, I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. And I noticed that in D.C. and in certain areas, you know, gentrification has actually pushed, you know, black and brown out of Washington, D.C. It was known as, you know, Chocolate City. And I mentioned specifically situations where uh, there were older African-Americans who actually owned their homes, you know, grow homes and things of that sort. And um, they just may have been laid on a, on a tax bill or something. And an investor swooped in, bought the taxes, and then evicted, you know, the grandmother from, from the home. And, and Nick, you were saying that um, it may have been legal, but it was morally reprehensible you know, to do something like that. And, you know, I'm, 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 I, did I get that right? I don't want to misquote you on anything. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And we actually have an example where we were looking at going to the courthouse and buying from the tax uh, thing here and there. Have, they have a, on the courthouse once a month court steps you can buy at the county courthouse. And there was a, somebody that was a year behind and my wife's like, I just feel horrible. This person. So she called the guy and said, you know, your taxes are behind. He's like, Oh yeah, they won't do anything. I, I, I pay them the day before the auction and get it done. So, so my wife was, was worried about this guy and um, he, he was doing it on purpose. Like I just pay my taxes the very last day. And so, you know, that, that's something where you, you have, I mean, it, it, and I have probably surprisingly found that most people that I encounter yeah. in the multifamily world are, are they want to help people. They're not out to, Yes, they are out to get wealthy and create independence, but not at somebody else's expense. There is a huge abundance mentality. There's a lot of pie for everybody to go around. That's and good. it's, uh, you know, I found that within our group that people help one another. Now, yeah. if, you know, you, me and somebody else are going after the same deal. We're going to hold our cards close to the vest for that cool. little bit. I had somebody that another person and I, I know them pretty well. They, they beat me on a deal. I called them up the next day. I said, Hey, we put a lot into finding out why the water bill is so high. And you're welcome to ever, all my research because now that I don't have it, I wow. want to see you succeed. And so I will give you uh, all the, the data that we collected on, on what we think, uh, why we think the water is uh, so expensive on this property. And so, you know, we shared 
uh, shared the stuff we had with them. Because at that point, I mean, I guess in two or three years, maybe if they sold it, I would that, that information may have been valuable for me. But at the time, I was like, I want these guys to do well and do well for their investors. But, you know, and I've had people hold my hand because, you know, I was with it. I've been in Brad's group for a long time, but it took me almost two years before I finally got a deal. Yeah. And, I, you know, we'd go to the um, – the bus tour networking events or other events and people are like, man, try this, you know, have you tried to under, you know, look at these numbers here, here's something that worked for us. So not only was I getting my batteries recharged by hanging out with other like-minded people that wanted to, to uh, buy real estate and that they were helping out. And, um, and hang on a second, let me just. Having an abundance mindset is probably one of the things that I would, I would say for everyone out there, um, making sure that if you're going to be working with anyone as an investor or as a, you know, GP, uh, that's a, someone who actually is a general partner or in the management of a deal, or, you know, even as an LP that they all have abundance mindsets. There should be a win-win. Yes. As a GP, as a syndicator, we have, you know, fiduciary responsibility to all those that invest with us. Right. And that are a part of the team that we make sure that we do right for them. But we mentioned before, you know, we're using terms like these are homes for people, right? There is a, there is a shortage of homes that are in the market. We want to make sure that we are building homes. <laughs> you know, it's not just we're out for our own, own benefit. We're out for everyone's benefit. In the, in yes, the we, we want to provide value. You know, it's going to um, cost something. You know, we're going to yes. raise but we, You know, we're adding playgrounds. We're adding uh, improved safety. Fitness centers. We try to do something on our properties with three bedrooms that have children. We we try to do a back to school activity. We had earlier this year during COVID. We since we typically during the spring and through the summer and fall we'll have some type of a outdoor activity. You know, tacos or sandwiches or something. But we couldn't do that, so we we just gave out. Now it's only little Caesars, but we gave out a, a free pizza to every unit just so they could they had you know they could get for themselves. And we did, uh, then last month we did snow cones. <clears throat> we had a, I don't know if you guys have Kona ice, but it's a, it's a chain of snow cone trucks. Okay. And we paid for everybody got a voucher. I, I can't remember how they worked it out, but each unit, depending on the number of people in their unit, got a, a coupon for lack of a better term to go and get one medium snow cone from, from the snow cone truck. So we want to do things like that, that, you know, part, and, you know everybody, I'm, I would be lying if I'm not saying part of that's to benefit us because we want to create community so people aren't, aren't moving. And, and, but we want to keep safe. We want people to have relationships so they're kind of watching over and have some ownership in the community and, um, you know, things like that. But, you know, the big thing is creating that sense of community with, within the apartment and making it a better place for people to live. And, and that is the feel-good part. I mean, it that's feels it, good yes. to give people checks too, but it feels good to give somebody a nice, safe place to live yeah. especially if it's been a rough area like the place where the it, i don't think we were on recording there you're talking about the guy being laid out nobody wants to walk out in their to their car yeah. and have passed out in the parking lot or in, in the grass yeah. And, yeah. and so it's just you know cleaning up activities like that i think yeah. brings value especially if you have young children that, yeah. that are going to be on the playground that um you know and and, you know, I, I, we haven't had this because Abilene hasn't, but I know other people that bring in tutors to their, um, in their community center. So they have kid, places for kids to, to get tutoring um, after school and help with reading and some of the basic school things to help lift, 
lift these children up. That's, that's community. That's community. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I, you know, I stress that um, you, you, it, it should be that you work with someone or that you're in a, in a place that, that number one has community that wants to make sure that the, that the place is safe. I think I was mentioning the, in my story, I was looking at a, a subject property and I was encouraged to go look at the comparable property um, that is actually, you know, a hundred dollars more expensive than this property. And so I went and I saw one building out of their 15 or so buildings that was just broken, busted windows, everything. And I was driving in one of the parking lots and there was a, a young man who literally, I don't know what was happening. He felt like he needed to lay down in the middle of the asphalt, just as if he was suntanning on the beach or something. And and uh, I had stopped my car and I was like, are you okay? Is everything, you know I mean? I was just, and it was just other activity that was going on that I was a little concerned about. And I was like, but this place is actually getting $100 more on average than the other property that I'm looking at. That's a much better condition. So that's, a, that's something where, you know, we want to, you know, go back in and, and try to create community. Um, wow, this has been a lot. We, <laughs> we've shared a lot. Thank you so much for taking on that, uh, that, that challenging question. And it was just something that popped up in my mind as we, we talked about it. And a lot of times, you know, you have people say, well, you know, they're just coming in and just take over everything. And some of us are, are not really just there to take over everything. We're there to provide value in addition to receiving, a, you know, a good, uh, good benefit and check for ourselves. All right. So we're at that point in the conversation where we're giving people the boot. For those of you who don't remember, this is Red Boot LLC, right? This is the name of our company. And so we want to make sure that we give people the boot not to get out of anything, not to get kicked out of your job or your relationship, but to get you spurred on to doing something in multifamily or whatever your goals are. So with that, Nick, what piece of advice would you give our listeners to, to give them the boot? Keep going. I would find somebody, find a, someone that's had success. You mentioned your mentor. I've got a mentor. Find somebody that success leaves clues, and, and it does cost money to, to hire a mentor, but I think the money you spend on that is going to, you'll save so much more. If you go and try to buy an apartment by yourself, you're, you're going to make mistakes. You know, we, in our program, and I'm sure Michael Blank's saying, they hold your hand as you're going through the purchase, pri purchase uh, process and <clears throat> to make sure you're not making those mistakes. They yeah. connect you with other reputable, uh, either a lender like Old Capital team that's done this that's other people have used and I mean you know, you know the price up front like who's doing your SEC work and your contract work um, so find somebody that's done it and follow me you can be you may start with a book um, if you can do it but just getting out and doing something and take take a massive action and you know and one thing that Brad Summerfield likes to say is ready fire aim it's it, the time is never going to be perfect yep you're never going to have all your ducks 100% in a row sometimes yep. you just got to start taking those steps and have some faith that the next step's going to be there for you and yeah. you're going to figure it out. But if you have somebody that's already gone down that path, yeah. you're, you're much less likely to wander off in, in, into the uh, deep weeds that you don't need to be in. So, you know, yeah. fi find somebody that can, uh, that can, uh, that you can follow. Great. Thank you so much, Nick. Now, how do people get in contact with you? Um, my email is Nick, N-I-C, at Thrive Multifamily, so T-H-R-I-V-E, multifamily.com. 
So it's just NIC, no K on my name. But email me. I have a Calendly link, and I wish I knew it off the top of my head. But if you email me, I'll send you a link uh, to my Calendly, and that's the best way. I got little 15-minute increments set up uh, on various days so we can chat. Um, I'd love to tell you about my story, get to know about you. If you'd like to be included on any of our future opportunities, let you, uh, you know, we got to have that pre-existing relationship so we can start that process yeah. of chatting with one another and um, um, just start going. And if you're ever in the DFW area and you want to grab a coffee or something, maybe we could even do that. Same to you, Jonathan. And where you're in, you're from DC originally? Originally from the DC, but uh, focusing on the uh, North Carolina market currently. Okay. And so, you know, when I get back to traveling and get down to DFW, I'll, I'll look you up, man. I'll, yeah, I'll check next with you. <laughs> well, the old Capitol event, you know, this is my third or fourth one that I've been to. So it, it's one of my favorite events to go to. I like it better in person. The, the, um, it's easier, I think, to network, to exchange people's names um, through the digital or virtual version. But I miss, I miss getting, you know, we've got to do some small things, smaller deals being in Texas. They're letting us get together, but definitely ready for uh, getting back. You know, I think the last one I went to was something in early March. So it's, okay. you know, we're, we're coming up close to a year of getting any kind of substantial networking events going in. And it's uh, it's ready, ready for things to get back. So I, I appreciate you having me on. And so you know, if, if anybody wants to email, give me a shout. We'll do, Nick. Well, listen. Thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll take all your contact information. Make sure that it's in the description of the video if you're watching this, or it's in the description of the podcast uh, episode here. So thank you again, and we'll talk soon, man. Thanks, Jonathan. Have a great day. Enjoyed it. Absolutely.